Here's what's coming up on today's show. So once we started into the hospice journey and I got to meet with each patient and family and be with them as a liaison from start to finish was just where I found my whole heart and my happiness and I found my purpose. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial in the San Diego area. And Thomas O'Connell, president of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Rockaway, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm your host on the West Coast, John Amarino. Joined my, by my host on the East Coast, Tommy O'Connell. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Hey, John. I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, brutal weekend for both of us. The uh, Padres yeah. and Yankees both eliminated. We'll be playing golf together starting tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the weekend of baseball was about as good as uh, this year's stock market. <laughs> maybe a little bit at least there were some high at least there were a couple of highlights <laughs> yeah well we had we had one rebound you know in, in game two but that was it so folks uh the last couple episodes we've talked about medicare skilled nursing and we're going to continue on our long-term care and health care for our loved ones and in retirement with a conversation about hospice today i like to uh, introduce today's guest, Catherine Alexander. Uh, she's been in the home health care and hospice arena for nearly a decade. She actually started off in North Carolina before moving out west to San Diego. And after about three years of being in the hospice community in San Diego, she decided to start a company with two of her good friends, Joe and Chib. And together, they started Comfort and Peace Hospice, located here in San Diego. And she is the director of operations at Comfort and Peace. And, you know, we talked with Amanda last last podcast and Bree, my wife. They both speak very highly of Catherine, has a great reputation around San Diego. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Miss Catherine Alexander. And today's guest, Katherine Alexander, the Director of Operations at Comfort and Peace Hospice. Good morning, John and Tom. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Um, I'm very excited to be a part of this podcast and give everyone a little bit more education about everything that hospice entails. To give you a little bit of background on myself, like you said, um, I come from North Carolina, a little tiny town called Harmony. I've been out in San Diego um, for about 10 years now, and I've been lucky to be involved in the home health um, side of the industry for a couple years uh, before transitioning over to the hospice side. So I was very lucky to be recruited into the hospice industry by my business partner and our main CEO and owner, Chib Chilakese. Um He saw that I had the hospice heart and mentored me. And so I spent uh, three years at our previous agency with him as a hospice liaison. So I would go out into the community, um, tell communities as far as like facilities like Bree and Amanda's 
um, hospitals and doctor's offices about our services. And then when they their patients needed um, hospice care, they would reach out. And I had the pleasure of meeting with each patient and family member to tell them all about hospice services and help them enroll. Now, after that, um, Chib decided he wanted to start his own company and asked me to go with him and be his partner. Um, so we then recruited our third partner, Joe Scalisi, to join us. And officially, as of September, we hit our three-year anniversary. So we have um, had Comfort and Peace Hospice established um, three years as of last month. So this has been a beautiful journey. And now to go from a liaison role um, into an operations role to see, you know, the back end of things um, has been a beautiful growth process. And I'm very, very lucky to have found my passion and my my heart with hospice. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, in three years, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, you guys, I, I think, you know, we are I was having this conversation both with you and Chib on separate occasions, how you guys have really actually exceeded the high expectations you had for yourselves. And that's really a testament to the reputations of all three of you. I mean, I remember being in the hospital, visiting my nephew a couple of years back and I look in the hallway and there's Chib, you know, on adorning the hallways of, of sharp hospitals. So I know you guys, you know, the, your reputation of, of being quality caring, you know, representatives to the families and leaders to your employees has really done your company and, and the community. Well, thank you so much for that. Hey, Catherine, can you really, I, can you just, Tell us what made you get into hospice. Oh, so for me, I went through the hospice experience personally. At 22, my dad was re-diagnosed um, with cancer, originally kidney cancer, and he fought very hard and did the surgeries and treatments. And then unfortunately, it did come back about five years later and spread to his brain. So when we got that phone call, you know, when we got that diagnosis from the doctor that his cancer was back and had metastasized, you know, we originally were given a time frame of approximately six to eight months. This was very much a shock to me. This was my first experience being involved with the actual terminal diagnosis where they said there's, there's nothing more that we can do. They're not able to get it with surgery um, and they can do some treatments to help, you know, a little bit, but it would only be a temporary fix and that, you know, it could only end up prolonging his suffering in the long run. So he just wanted to go home and be comfortable, uh, be surrounded by family and loved ones. So um, we then enrolled him in hospice services. Uh, Unfortunately, we did not, you know, get that full you know, six, eight months, um, his process went very quickly. Um, he passed in about two and a half weeks and we were so fortunate to have a beautiful, beautiful hospice team that was with us every step of the way. So for my first experience to be a positive experience, I think really changed my perspective and outlook on the word hospice. I know so many people do not get that same experience. So that's part of the reason why we're here to help take that fear out of the word hospice the way it was for me. We had so much support and love um, while we were caring for my dad at home. 
so that he was able to pass peacefully and comfortably in the environment and honoring his wishes and his journey. Then, unfortunately, my grandfather had a stroke two days after my dad passed away. Um, and then he actually had to go on to hospice immediately after and passed within two weeks of my dad. So we had a very intense experience with hospice, all back to back, um, both short prognosis. Um, so it was, I was very young um, to go through all of that, but I think it really helped change my whole trajectory in life and in my career path. Um, it's part of the reason why I wanted to start over, start fresh, um, do something different. And so when I moved to San Diego, I got involved with the home health care side. But then when I met Chib, he's like, I think you really would do phenomenal with hospice. And you actually get to meet patients and families. Whereas when I was involved with home health, I really didn't have as much patient or family interaction. I think that was the one thing I was missing. Um, so once we started into the hospice journey and I got to meet with each patient and family and be with them as a liaison from start to finish was just where I found my whole heart and my happiness and I found my purpose. Um, and going through it personally, I think really made me a better liaison so that I could connect with those families and they actually understood. I actually understood what they were going through. I had been in their shoes um, so I think it was easier for them to talk to me about their pre-grieving process or the shock they were going through because they felt like I, I truly understand. Catherine, I mean, hearing your story and it definitely puts, it gives you a, a huge advantage in being able to do your job well because you, you have been in those shoes and you, you understand what you as the, the family want for your loved ones versus just giving the recommendations, you know, based on training and experience. Yeah, Absolutely. you can sympathize. Yeah, you can sympathize as opposed to just empathizing, right? So you, like John said, you've walked in their shoes. And so, uh, you know, I, I think you bring a lot more, um, a lot more to the table, if you will, uh, than just someone who is an academic or very subjective in it. Absolutely. And, and not to say that there aren't, you know, fantastic reps that haven't been sure. through it. But I think it, it just is that little added touch. And ultimately, hospice is all about connection. You know, you, you want to have trust, you want to have faith in your team, and you want to feel like they understand what you're going through and that you're there for them. And when you've walked in their shoes, when you've been in their place, when you've watched your loved one, you know, pass away, and you, you can also advise them on things that they don't know to ask. Um, they don't know to ask for, or they don't even know that they need, or that they're not even aware is an option. So I think that's one of my favorite parts about, you know, the whole initiation of hospice services is that education, because I remember the shock of when I went through that. You have, you know, I'd say 75 to 80% of the people that I would meet with had never even had any experience with hospice. They didn't even really know what it was about. So 
now that I have been through it and then not only work in this industry, I know how to make sure to say, okay, you need to ask for this, or this is everything that you can have. And they're not even aware because so many other companies out there are so focused on numbers and signing people up or, oh, the doctor said you have to have this, just sign up and we'll send a nurse. But they don't actually take the time to educate families and patients properly on all the benefits, all the rights. Um, There's so, so much that is positive about hospice and you get such a higher level of care than say home health care or just, you know, smaller home care, like caregivers. There's so much more that's involved um, that people are just not aware of. So they just don't know how to ask. And I think with my personal experience, um, that kind of helps set me apart from some of the other people out there. I think that's a a great segue into my question, really, which is, I think there's a a lot of confusion out there in the general public um, about what exactly is hospice. So could you explain what that really is and what it means to people and uh, the valuable service that it, that it provides for patients and families? Absolutely. So in order to be appropriate for hospice services, um, hospice is strictly comfort care for a terminal diagnosis. So not just a chronic illness, but an actual terminal diagnosis. So that has to, you. in order to start, you have to have a hospice evaluation order from a doctor. So either your doctor or a hospice physician has to certify that you have a terminal diagnosis. Um, and then our team goes out to evaluate you know, does that full head to toe assessment just to make sure they're appropriate? Because there are some people that are borderline that have had some decline, whether they've had significant weight loss, different things, and you have to meet criteria. So there, there is an evaluation that has to take place. But in order for that to take place, you have to have the doctor write an order. Now that can come from your primary care doctor, your mobile physician, Um, a physician at a skilled nursing facility or hospital. Um, Now, also, there are options if you have not seen a doctor in years. That's even where a hospice physician can't write the hospice order if you have no doctor or haven't seen a doctor in a long time. Um, And they can come out and do an assessment along with our team um, to determine if there is significant decline in order to meet criteria for hospice. Now, for hospice, there are different levels of care as well. So once you meet criteria and you start services, then you're assigned a set team. Now, certain companies do things a little bit differently, but under Medicare guidelines, you're all required, every hospice is required um, to have an RN as part of your care team, a home health aide, and then also a medical social worker and a chaplain. Now, these are all four team members that are required that we offer to the patient and family. Now, that does not mean that they have to have all of those services in order to have hospice. The only requirement by Medicare guidelines is to be seen by an RN once every two weeks to maintain being able to have those services. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, they're only going to show up once every two weeks. But some patients and families, they don't like excessive amounts of visits, whereas some want more frequent. 
So it should be customized, but the only requirement to stay on hospice services is you have to be seen by a registered nurse at least once every 14 days. Catherine, you mentioned Medicare and Medicare guidelines. Um, Who pays for hospice? So that's a great question. Um, One of the most important things that we let our patients and families know um, right out of the gate that hospice is 100% covered by your Medicare Part A benefit. You know, so many people, once they start talking about hospice and all the visits and all the care that's included, you know, they get overwhelmed or they think, how am I going to pay for all of this? So Medicare Part A pays for hospice services 100%. So everything that is discussed in your hospice explanation of benefits, all of the care is provided for and it's paid for by Medicare. Now, if you do not have Medicare and say you have you know, a commercial insurance or um, a managed like Medi-Cal insurance that also covers hospice services. Um, You just need to make sure that it's a contracted company that works with your insurance company so you don't get any like outside bills. So anytime a patient, you know, is referred to us and say it's an insurance we do not accept, um, we will not take them. We will refer them to another agency that is contracted with them so they don't have to pay anything out of pocket. Okay. So if you have people, you know, un- unfortunately, you know, hospice just isn't for, you know, people of, of Medicare age, but, you know, younger people, that's going to be covered t- typically by their traditional insurance. Absolutely. So um, case in point, my father, he passed away at 57. So, you know, it is not only for, you know, Medicare age of 65 and above. We have had patients on service um, as, as young as in their 20s, all the way up to our oldest patient that was 106. So case in point, just like with my father, he was 57 when he passed away. So his commercial insurance um, was able to take care of all of the hospice services. So whether you are, you know, a commercial insurance or a Medi-Cal, as well as Medicare, it is all covered 100% by your insurance. Um, Now, so many people think like, I've witnessed other, you know, people state that, oh, hospice is free. It's, oh, you don't pay anything. And a lot of people, you know, get upset by that statement because they're like, no, insurance is paying for that. So I always like to make sure and remind people that, yes, it is definitely 100% covered. It's zero out of pocket, but your insurance does pay for it. Um, And all those years that Medicare took out of your paychecks, now it's Medicare's turn to take care of your end-of-life comfort care. That certainly clears up a couple of things for me, Catherine, because I I was even being in this business as long as I have, I I, I really haven't, um, I really didn't have a good handle on all of that. Um, what, uh, my next question really would be is, um, if I had to choose hospice for a loved one, uh, mm-hmm. what are the, what are the types of things that I'm going to be looking for? Are there ratings or, uh, should I go with a big company, small company, are there reviews like, uh, you know, I don't know on Yelp or any of these other websites. Uh, Absolutely. And, then, and then I guess the last part of that would be what are the main resources people should should be utilizing or looking at when they're trying to make that decision? Of course. Um, 
I think the key is do your research. Um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with interviewing multiple companies. Um, yes, we all have to fall under the same Medicare guidelines of what is required for hospice to offer. But at the end of the day, every single company does things a little bit differently. Um, some people do a little bit more, some a little less. Um, and there are so many companies out there. And so it can be very overwhelming. So it's good to ask for, you know, say your doctor, your hospital, um, even facility recommendations on who they trust, especially if your loved one is in a community, whether it be skilled nursing, memory care, boarding care. Um, it's always nice to ask for recommendations on who they prefer to use. But at the end of the day, it is always patient and family choice on which company they would like to go with. Every patient family that I meet with, I tell them to go online, read reviews, you know, Yelp, Google, all of those where other family members have the opportunity to share their experiences with that company. And then it's not just you know, a facility or a doctor's recommendation where they may be affiliated um, with another company. You know, some doctors in hospitals and um, in their own practices, they have affiliations or they work as medical directors with other hospice agencies. So, you know, they may be giving a recommendation that you don't feel comfortable going with. So always do your research. Um, one of the beautiful things about, ben, um, about hospice is there is zero obligation. So you are not locked into anything. If at any time you are unhappy with the care, you can cancel hospice at any time and you can switch companies at any time. So no matter what, that's one of the most important things that I like to educate families on is it's their patient right to cancel or switch. You are not locked in no matter what paperwork you sign. And I've unfortunately had the interaction with lots of families that never even knew they had that right until they had a friend that told them, oh, if you're not happy with this care, you can switch to another company. Um, and I've unfortunately seen agencies that are so focused on the numbers try to convince families that they're not allowed to switch. So it's, I wish everybody was as transparent and honest, and I wish that every company had the same, you know, standards, but we know within the healthcare industry that that's not always the case. It's the same with, you know, facilities. Not all of them are on the same level and have the same standards. So it's very, very important for you to do your research, look up reviews, ask for recommendations, interview companies. Um, at the end of the day, I just tell families, like, just trust your instincts, go with what feels right to you. Um, you know, every company may promise the world, um, but just trust your heart and your instincts. Um, and if that company does not follow through with what they say they're going to do, then you can switch to another one. And that should be how everyone educates people. Now, some companies, you know, they they will be upfront in the beginning about all their different team members, their free frequency of care and visits. You know, some will just send a nurse once every other week for compliance purposes or just once a week. But there's actually so, so much that is available that people don't realize. So even though you have your nurse, your RN, who's going to be your case manager, one of the things that we do a little differently is we start out all of our 
all of our patients with a minimum of two nursing visits a week. We like our patients to start at a higher level of care so they feel supported. Um, they feel like all of their questions and concerns are addressed immediately and to help you know, with symptom management as well as give the family peace of mind that they're starting off um, with strong support versus once a week or once every other week. Now, you'll also have a home health aide as part of the team. Now, that person comes out um, to assist with bathing and changing for clinical purposes. Now, so many people don't even get that explanation because they think, oh, I'm getting a caregiver. They can clean the house. You know, they can meal prep. They can do all these things to help me around the house. Or, oh, they can stay here while I go run errands and run to the grocery store and and actually, the home health aide is strictly there for clinical purposes. Now, they can assist with feeding when they're there for the visit, but they're mostly there for hygiene, cleaning, bathing, things of that nature. But they can come out two to three times a week to help the family or to help the facility staff if your loved one is, isn't in a community. That way, it gives the community um, a little extra backup and support, especially for a hospice patient that you want to monitor more closely um, and get, give them an extra layer of TLC um, as they're transitioning through this process. Now, of course, we also offer a chaplain as part of the team. Now, they're there for spiritual support. Um, now, they typically come out about once a month or as requested. Some people like it more frequently, you know, and some people do not want it at all. You can always decline those services um, if it's not for you. And if you want to add them back in later, that's, a, that's fine too. All you have to do is reach out to your team and they can reintroduce that team member um, as part of the care. And one of the really beautiful benefits of having that spiritual support is that it's also there for the families um, that are going through this process and, you know, pre-grieving the loss of their loved one. Not always are the patients spiritual or religious, but the family members are. So even if the patient does not want that service, the chaplain also extends that service to the family and loved ones. Is that something? Is that something you coordinate with the family as far as if they have their own personal, I guess, uh, you know, spiritual counselor or counsel or uh, mm -hmm. pastor, what have you? Absolutely. So if they are not okay. comfortable, you know, with our hospice chaplain, um, we can reach out to the community partners or to their, you know, priest or their pastor. Um, and have them involved if they would prefer that method. And we, we have a rabbi on service with us. We have a Catholic priest, um, multiple chaplains. And so we don't push any agenda. I think that's mm -hmm. super important too, is most people are like, oh, I don't want to be preached at. Oh, no, I don't want that. Um, because not everybody is you know, strict religious pathway. Some are just more spiritual and just want someone to talk to. Um, so that option is available as well. So I think one of the things that I really love is that we can customize care for each individual patient family to meet them on their level and their needs, as well as, you know, their, their other team member of a medical social worker. 
that is such a a wonderful asset to be able to offer patients and families because they have that psychosocial support, especially if family members are struggling if with accepting that diagnosis, especially as a patient starts to decline, you know, we're there to give them extra emotional support. But even our medical social worker specializes in assisting families with making final arrangements when the time comes and helping them navigate that process, as well as helping them with benefits. You know, we, we are blessed to have a contract with the VA. So we deal with a lot of patients from the VA as well as the Naval Hospital. And our veterans have so many different benefits available to them but they're not always aware they have access to those or how to enroll in those or apply for them. So that's even where our medical social worker, you know, steps up and helps them navigate that process as well. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with families um, and asked them if they were even aware of aid in attendance and, and they were, what's that? You know, nobody exactly. knows that, that these benefits are available for veterans, their spouses, their families. It's crazy. Well, and there's just so much that they just don't, they don't even realize. And also even say, even if a patient already has aid in attendance, but then they go on to hospice, then we can even help, you know, help them apply and fill out the proper paperwork to increase those hours so that they get more support, even when hospice is not there. Because hospice, that's another thing that people are not aware of. Hospice, even though we are on call, 24 seven, we are not bedside 24 seven. So a lot of people think that, oh, well, you know, it's final days, final weeks. Well, that's not the case. You know, actually, you just have to have a terminal diagnosis of about six months or less. But that doesn't mean all patients pass in six months. It just means that, you know, say you have cancer, and it's not expedited and it's not moving as fast as, you know, most people would think. And they take, okay, we think you have six months, but they're still with us at six months. Now that cancer has not gone away, but they're no longer treating it. Now that's when a doctor or a nurse practitioner comes out at the, you know, second benefit period and does at what's called a face-to-face -face evaluation just to make sure and determine that they're still hospice appropriate. And then they recertify them. And then you're reassessed every two months after that six month mark, just to make sure you're still appropriate. And as long as you are and you still meet criteria, you can continue with hospice services. And most people don't realize that, oh, well, what after, after six months, am I gonna be kicked off? Or, oh, well, what's the timeline? if it goes farther. I mean, we've even had patients that have been on service up to two years because their their terminal diagnosis, you know, it's just a process and every single patient is different. Just like with my dad, they said six months and he was two and a half weeks. And we have had patients where the doctors think, okay, you know, they may not last more than a week or two. Well, then sometimes when they go back to their, you know, facility or their home, they're getting all this extra care and attention and monitoring. And sometimes they do perk up and they do last longer than anticipated. So that's where it's, it's good for people to start asking the right questions from the beginning 
when they get these diagnoses of, okay, doctor, what are my options? You know, what is going to get me the, the most amount of care and support? And not everybody is, you know, really always ready to take that next step into hospice. I know it's such a, a scary word, but there's so much support and care and it's the highest level of care. So like with home health, you don't have that on-call support of 24-7 like you do with hospice. So if you have an emergency or a change in condition day or night, you can call the hospice office 24-7 and be connected to someone, to a nurse, that you can let them know what's going on with your loved one or yourself if you're the patient. And then that way we can help instruct you on what to do until we get there. But then we can send a nurse to you and stay by your side until you're comfortable or for your loved one. So that way they don't have to be shuffled back and forth to the hospital. And we focus on keeping them comfortable at home, surrounded by loved ones or in their community that is their home setting where they feel most comfortable. Right. And, you know, when we were talking with Amanda on the last podcast, she was talking about how people are really woefully underprepared for the skilled nursing facility selection. And, and oftentimes they have to make that decision on a facility in a day or two. And it's a tremendous amount of stress on the family. So I, I kind of have a two-part question here. Number one, is that the same? Do you guys see that happening with hospice? And then the second part is... You know, as we're starting to wrap up here, what are some red flags that, you know, families or listeners should be aware of, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, hospice service? So it's different for every patient. So it kind of depends on where that patient is coming from. Now, on occasion, when we get referrals from hospitals, it is similar to like Amanda and Bree's situation where everything happens very, very quickly because especially when a patient is hospice appropriate, they're ready for hospice services, then the hospital is like, okay, there's nothing more that we can do in the hospital for this patient that can't be done at home, you know, on comfort care because we're no longer treating, you know, any symptoms or their disease so now it's, okay, let's get them out, let's get them home, let's get them settled, and let's get hospice started immediately. So we do see that a lot, that it, it is very expedited. And of course, it feels overwhelming and the families feel pressure. But that's where a really strong hospice team and company steps up to help take the lead on a lot of that. So when the doctor sends over the medical records and the hospice valuation order, you know, then the family gets to start okay, well, who do I call? What do I do? They start doing their research um, and then they can start interviewing companies. But once they select a company, that company should be taking the initiative to organize everything for that patient and family. Now we help coordinate with the hospital, you know, transportations to get that patient home and settled. We coordinate it so that way we make sure we have one of our admission nurses meet that patient at home to get them all settled in, make sure there's no gaps in care or that timeline, and that they're settled in and they're comfortable and we can give education to the family, to the community on this patient's condition, their medications, um, and they do that full head-to-toe assessment 
to determine that patient's level of care. So that nurse is determining how frequent of visits they need from each team member. You know, does that patient have wounds or bed sores that we need to do, you know, wound care three times a week on top of our regular routine visits from the team? Um, you know, they're determining, okay, is this patient on too many multiple medications and let's talk about what's beneficial and what's no longer necessary. Um, if there's things that need to be discontinued or if there's concerns about new level of pain or, you know, increase of conditions and changes of conditions that we need to adjust medications. But also we help coordinate and arrange uh, medical equipment. So say if that patient needs a hospital bed, a wheelchair, oxygen, um, even like a bedside commode or, or just a bedside table, all those things, um, as far as the medical equipment goes, are provided by hospice. So we contract with a medical supply company, we coordinate all that, and we have it delivered and set up before that patient even leaves the hospital so that we make sure everything's in place before that patient arrives and that everything goes smoothly. So a good, strong company is going to coordinate with the hospital, take care of all those um, questions with the family, coordinate their equipment, make sure a nurse meets them there and everything goes smoothly. And that's what a good, strong liaison would do, will do is be that point person for the family in between the care team and the doctor. So those are always things that, you know, patients and families need to ask you know, especially if they've never experienced before hospice or, or even the process, it's just making sure that they have someone that's going to be with them from start to finish. Um, so many liaisons just are like, oh, sign up. We're going to send you paperwork and that's it. They don't follow up. They don't make sure that, you know, the care is going smoothly, that families are happy with the team that's been provided for them. Now, one of the things that I would always recommend uh, when you're doing your research and you're interviewing companies is to ask, you know, even what their response times are and if they are going to have a consistent team. That's one of the things that we try to focus on is assigning each patient a set team and trying to keep that team consistent from start to finish. That way they're not having random total strangers coming in, you know, multiple times a week, every visit someone different, because it's going to make the patient and the family feel more comfortable having a consistent team. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something I would always recommend families to ask is, you know, what sets them apart? On top of reading the reviews online, it's, it's asking what they do differently asking how many nursing visits that they provide because most the, most companies um, only do once a week. That's why we want it to be different than the industry standard and do a minimum of two nursing visits a week. You know, make sure and ask how often someone will come out as a home health aide to bathe and change their loved one and help give them support. Um, you know, a lot of companies only do once a week when you can have two to three times a week. Um, and have that support. Not all patients just want one bath or shower a week, especially if they start declining, they become more bed bound. You know, that, that hygiene and staying clean is so important, especially for skin integrity um, and to prevent skin breakdown. So all those things are important. And 
just making sure there's good communication. I think that is half the battle um, is making sure that you have people you can get a hold of. And, you know, one of the things that we do with our company is we provide all of our staff with work cell phones and they are required to give that work cell phone number to communities um, where our patients reside as well as pa- as families and patients themselves um, so that they have a way to call or text their nurse, their social worker, um, their chaplain directly Monday through Friday, nine to five. Now, of course, we always let them know if it's an emergency, if it's urgent, you know, no matter what, do not wait always call the office. That's available 24-7, you know, because sometimes your nurse or your team member is with another family or patient, and so they're not always able to get back to you immediately. So if there is any urgent matter, like always, always call their office and make sure you can get a hold of someone. Um, But hospice has that on-call support 24-7. So making sure you check that a hospice agency you know, has staffing in the evening. So if they call and have an emergency that someone, they have someone available to send out um, for symptom management. So if your loved one's in pain or having trouble breathing or say they had a fall, you know, you want to make sure that if someone calls hospice, that a nurse will come out, that someone will be there to help. Giving you that peace of mind that even though we're not there 24-7, we're on call 24-7. And one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is making sure that we never leave a patient's side until they're comfortable. We're never going to walk away from a patient if we're not positive that they're well palliated and in a comfortable state, because that solely defeats the purpose of having comfort care if your patient is not comfortable. You know, and that also means not just physical symptoms, but also emotional psychological, you know, this whole process of hospice can be very overwhelming, not only to the family and the patient, but just helping them go through that and process it and get them to a point of acceptance and letting them know that they're not alone. I think that's the key. It was one of the most helpful things um, for my family is knowing that no matter what situation popped up, we could always call and someone would walk us through, give us education, um, kind of step by step. Okay, this symptom is normal based on your loved one's diagnosis. You know, this change in condition is normal, but it's okay. We're here for you and we're going to send a nurse out just to make sure everything's comfortable and everything's going well. And I think that part of it really helps take the fear out of it. You know, knowing that you have someone on the other line or someone that's going to come out and be by your side until your loved one is comfortable, you know, that's that's truly all anybody wants in that process. You don't want your loved one to suffer because it then it's going to only traumatize the family if their loved one does not pass peacefully and comfortably. So, yep, those are kind of like the things that I would ask for. And and always, if you're if you're doing research, if a company has multiple bad ratings, bad reviews, if you're getting any type of, well, you know, I, I kind of wouldn't go with this company, you know, trust your instincts. Those reviews are posted by other families. Like they're posting them for a reason. Um, 
so that would be kind of a red flag for me is to look for that. Now, so many other, um, there's, I don't know, probably 70 different hospice agencies in San Diego now. There's so many. And the one thing that I would say is bigger does not always mean better. So just because it has a really big name or it's, you know, nationwide or it's a very big company, um, to me, that doesn't always mean the best. I, I think when it's more personalized care, when it's customized care to each individual, that's what really sets things apart and makes it a good journey is making sure that each patient is not put all in one category, that it's not black or white. Um, I don't think hardly anything period is black and white anymore. And so if you can have a company that's willing to customize the care to each individual and meet them on their level, suit their needs, I think that's the thing you want to look for. And just having someone that you can get a hold of and rely on. I think that's one of the big differences um, between a lot of big companies versus smaller companies that are more boutique style. Um, and then just making sure that they can provide, you know, supplies, um, comfort medications, all of those things are covered by hospice. So briefs, wipes, gloves, um, even shampoos, lotion, all of those things are provided by hospice. And so many people don't even know that that is something we provide as well as comfort medications. Um, so that's not something that, you know, even has to go through your insurance or you have to go to the pharmacy and pick up. Those are things that hospice takes care of for your loved one. And one of the other things that I just want to mention regarding that is also, you know, so many people have the misconception that when it comes to hospice care, that you stop everything, you stop all medications, stop all care, um, and that you just push pain medications and give up. That is absolutely not how hospice works any longer. I know that may have been the case, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, but everything is way different now. And so many people don't understand that. So when a patient, we'll just use the cancer diagnosis um, for an example, so say when a patient has a terminal diagnosis for cancer, that's what they're going on to hospice for. So they're no longer seeking, you know, chemo and radiation and surgeries and treatments. So we're going to focus on keeping them comfortable. But that doesn't mean that, okay, maybe they also have cardiac issues as well. Well, they can still continue to go see their cardiologist take their cardiac medications, all of those things will still be covered under their insurance. You do not have to discontinue any of that. You can still see your other physicians. Um, you're not going to get billed. It goes through your insurance just like it always did before. So you can still seek treatment for other things other than your hospice diagnosis. You just wouldn't go see your oncologist any longer. Um, or receive treatment for our, your, your cancer diagnosis if that's what we're treating you for comfort care for, for hospice. So, so many people think that, oh, I'm not allowed to go see any of my doctors any longer. Or I have to stop all my medications. That's not the case at all. Um, you just are seeking comfort care for hospice for your diagnosis and and not to clarify all care on that Catherine I mean you're you're not going to see your doctor you know it, with the oncologist for the example because mm -hmm. at that point in time the doctor's saying hey we've exhausted all the treatments that are going to 
basically cure you and you've now progressed to this level that and that's essentially why you're not going to to get additional treatment right yes absolutely so that's that's the clarification is that you know your your doctor has done everything possible or you have decided you know i i no longer want to seek treatment i'm not interested um and the doctor then can recommend hospice and write that hospice evaluation order so that you can have hospice care for that diagnosis. But every other physician, even if you have a neurologist, all of those things, you can still seek and go to those appointments and seek care. It just, you know, that way, if you you don't get billed by Medicare, if you go to see your oncologist after you're already on hospice care. Right. Wow. Yeah, so it's only when there's no more options or you've chosen to not pursue any other options. Wow. Well, Catherine, I I know Tom and I, I, I didn't know half of this yeah. stuff. And, <laughs> and my wife's even in the industry. I mean, the amount of information you just gave our listeners was absolutely invaluable. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and knowing you and, and knowing Chib and Joe, it, your explanation of this your passion pretty much explains the comfort the 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 success of comfort and peace hospice i mean in in a 50-minute podcast you just accentuate every great quality about what you guys provide for your clients and and that that was awesome yeah thank you so much i I wouldn't even have known to ask half a half the stuff that you that you brought to the table today i mean if i was ever in a position I know you'd be the first person I would call, that's for sure. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. And honestly, it truly, it truly is our passion. Every single one of us, Joe, Chip, and myself have been involved. Chip, over 10 years of hospice involvement, and Joe, um, close to the same amount of time as myself. And we just found what we really love to do. And this is our whole heart. And we really wanted to do things different than the industry standard or just the Medicare regulations. Um, it's one of the reasons why we try to elevate our level of care, increased visits. But one of the things that we really wanted to do to set ourselves apart from the industry and just Medicare guidelines um, that we do out of our bottom line is provide music therapy. So we are huge advocates for it, um, especially since we have so many patients on service with us that are also have a memory care diagnosis. We just truly believe that music is a beautiful outlet, not only for symptom management, um, but also to allow patients and families um, to connect and process their, their grief and this diagnosis. So we actually have a music therapist that's full-time on staff with us, has his master's degree, and he goes out and plays music for each of our patients, whatever type of music they like, um, and just to try to make it a more positive and peaceful experience. Um, So we like to just make sure we have full, well-rounded support and care for all of our patients and families. Um, So it is definitely our our whole heart and passion, and I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to do this for a living every day. Awesome. Well, you know, Catherine, we appreciate you taking time. We know you're really, really busy. And folks, if you have any questions for Catherine or you want to inquire about Comfort and Peace's services, you can give them a call at 
304-2555, or you can email Catherine at katherineA at comfortandpeacehospice.com. That's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-A at comfortandpeacehospice.com. And uh, that info will also be in our show notes. So, folks, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. As we said, we, you know, it was just an awesome, awesome interview with Catherine. We, ex- we appreciate all your great information. And, I mean, Tommy and I really, I, Tom, I learned a lot. I learned a ton, way more than I, I, I would have even imagined when we were setting this up, uh, you know, for, uh, to do. Uh, just amazing, mm-hmm. truly. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you giving us this opportunity to give everybody a little bit of education and hopefully take a little bit of fear out of the word hospice. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, folks, that wraps up today's episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. For our next episode, we are wrapping up the uh, health care in retirement and caring for your loved ones with our discussion on long-term care insurance and the benefits it could provide. So folks, until the next episode, retire happy from coast to coast. Take care, folks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973-394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at internationalfinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subjects covered.